The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. At the Last Supper, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our ears, O Lord, that we may hear your words and know your voice. And open our eyes that we may see you in the faces of one another. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, St. James. Good morning. It is a joy and pleasure to be here with you all today. My name is David Wagner. I'm the middle school chaplain at Holy Innocence Episcopal School down in Atlanta. I live in Atlanta, and so I appreciate your condolences that many of you have offered to me this morning <laughs> for that. One of, the, uh, one of the perks of being a school chaplain is that it allows me some flexibility on Sunday mornings to come and supply at different churches around the diocese. Uh, and so between the services today, I had the opportunity to walk around the grounds and observe just the beauty, the labyrinth, the, the fountain right out here, the garden. And one of my observations is that the vesting room was not built with a short person in mind, for sure. <laughs> A few nights ago, uh, after my wife and I had put our daughter down for the night, we were sitting in the living room uh, trying to figure out what we were going to watch on, on TV, uh, find something on Netflix, and we wound up landing on the most recent Brene Brown special on Netflix. Has anybody seen Brene Brown? It's called The Call to Courage. Uh, Brene Brown is a researcher from Texas. She's a, a psychologist, counselor, uh, and she has written several books, a couple of them that my wife and I have read, and so we've been wanting to watch her talk on Netflix. She describes herself as a shame researcher. A shame researcher, yeah. Uh, someone who, who would sit with you and talk about the things that make you feel shame. Um, and if you're still in the room, once she has brought that up, then you would go forward talking about it. She first kind of came on the scene about five years ago with a TED Talk 
that she gave that just kind of exploded and went viral. Uh, and the topic that she discussed is vulnerability. Vulnerability, what makes us vulnerable and how we deal with it. And so we're watching the call to courage, and she's talking about bravery and people who throw themselves into these situations that are, that are rife with risk and, and vulnerability. And she winds up getting to the heart of her message, which is that there is no courage without vulnerability. There is no courage without vulnerability. The two of those things are intricately linked. And she says that it's impossible to have one without the other. She goes on to say that in order for someone to be courageous, they have to overcome some measure of risk, whether that's risk of embarrassment or risk of harm or injury or damage or being laughed at, that to be courageous, one has to overcome that risk. It could be a risk of a physical nature too. We think about the military and people who put themselves in harm's way. They are putting their lives on the line. They are being vulnerable. Otherwise, if it's a completely safe situation and the stakes are low or there aren't any stakes at all, then is it really courage if one is going forward? So the phrase that she repeats over and over in her special is, there is no courage without vulnerability. And as we were, as we were watching the, the special, she also made the point that we would much rather focus on courage. All of us would prefer to, to highlight the times when we have been successful. Those moments where we, have, uh, where we have overcome the obstacles, rather than dwelling on how scared or how vulnerable we are or how we might be in those kinds of situations. We would prefer to look at the heroic acts, those acts of bravery, rather than dwell too much on what really scares the life out of us. Now, I, I say all of this, all of this has come to mind for me as I've been reflecting on our gospel passage, partially because we just watched the special, but I also think that there is a link to what's happening in John's gospel today. In this scene, in the 13th chapter, we have gone back in time, even though we're in the Easter season, when Christ has been raised when we are in the season of resurrection, we go back a few days to when Jesus is at table with his friends. He still has not been arrested yet. His trial is yet to come. And so our lectionary guides us back to the words that Jesus spoke in his final moments with his friends. And here's what he says. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. 
So the word for today is not vulnerability. It's not being scared. It's not even courage. The word for today is love. And who cannot get on board with love, right? Who doesn't love love? Love is the greatest. We can all agree that love is something that we can thrive when we are in that kind of relationship. Love, love, love. Yes, amen. Jesus' message is simple. It is inspiring. It's something that we can follow. My 15-month-old daughter, in a couple years, she can probably learn this commandment. It's that simple. But it's not. Because when we take this love commandment on its own, yes, it seems to be simple enough. But if we zoom out a little bit more, then we can see the context that John has put Jesus' love commandment in. Here's what I mean. This passage is pretty short. It's only five verses long. It's towards the end of chapter 13 in John's gospel. And so there's a lot that comes before it. Before this series of verses, Jesus had done the foot washing with his disciples. He had taken a bowl of water, taken a towel, and gone around to each of them to wash their feet. And then it says that Jesus was troubled in his spirit. And he looked out to his friends and said, Now I am disturbed because one of you will betray me. The disciples are all kind of looking at each other. Who's betray you? What are you talking? And it winds up that Jesus tells them, it's going to be the one that I hand the bread to after I dip it in the bowl. And he hands the bread to Judas. Judas then leaves the supper to go what he will do. The rest of the disciples don't fully know, but Jesus does. And so, in the verses right before our passage today, love one another. We have betrayal. Judas preparing to turn his back on his teacher, on his friend. And that's not all. Because right after these verses, if we were to continue in John's gospel and pick up on verse 36... Peter will say, Jesus, you're just talking about going somewhere that we can't come. Where are you going again? And Jesus says, Peter, I just said it. You can't come. You can't follow. And Peter says, Jesus, I will always follow you, even to the end. I would give up my life for you. Jesus responds, Peter, I assure you, that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. We've got betrayal on one end and denial on the other. And right in the middle is Jesus's love commandment. This is more than a happy rainbows and sunshine Hallmark card kind of love. It is not vapid. Vapid. 
It is not empty. It is not some kind of feel-good love. Because the love that Jesus calls us to love one another as I have loved you, as I am loving you, even in the midst of this trouble, even in the midst of this darkness and betrayal and denial, you are still to love. And so if Brene Brown offers that there is no courage without vulnerability, then perhaps what our gospel seems to be implying is that love is never without sacrifice. That true love often accompanies hurting hearts. That to love one another means to be in that place where hurt and betrayal and insults might come across the wire at times. But we are to remain in that place just the same. Because ultimately, love sustains anything that might overcome it. Several years ago, I was a priest on staff at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in downtown Atlanta. One Sunday afternoon, after the morning services were done and I was getting ready for the afternoon, the evening activities at the church, I got a call for a pastoral emergency from a family who was at the hospital just a block or two up from the church. Their father was being taken off life support that afternoon, and so they asked if a priest from the church could come and pray with them. I didn't know the family. They weren't regular parishioners, but one of them had visited the church several months prior, and so they said that it would mean a lot. So I drove over to the hospital, walked into the hospital room, and found the family, all seven or eight of them gathered around, all of them adults, grown-up children. I passed around copies of the prayers, and we gathered together around the father's bed, some of the family joining in with the prayers and some of them just simply looking on. After we were finished, I left the room to leave the family on their own and to leave them with their father. And one of the sons came out to speak with me and wanted to talk a little bit more. And he shared with me about how each of them had had their differences with their father. That there was source of tension and struggle within the family. And how he wished, looking back, that it could have been different but that he loved his father just the same. And he knew that it was the case with all of them in the room. As I think back to that family today, I think that is how families work. It's not a sign that this particular family is dysfunctional or anything like that. I think that they are a family whose members are in close proximity with each other. 
And when you're that close to one another in that kind of relationship of love, you're going to hit some, some rough patches. There's going to be some ups and downs. To be that close with someone that you can say to them from your heart, I love you. And that they can say it too, by definition means that there will be struggle. There will be those disagreements, those rocky moments, those times when you will want to just throw your hands up, walk away, and say, gosh dang it, why can't this just be easy? But God does not promise us easy. God promises us love. And the love that God promises us overcomes Betrayal, denial, tension. Forgiveness carries the day, and love sees it through. I think about those relationships in my own life that bring up those times when I say words that I won't say in church. Perhaps you have said, have had those moments as well. I think that the love commandment is what reminds us about Jesus' guidance to us in those times. That even in the midst of tension, of relationships breaking down, of betrayal and denial, of disciples who fail him over and again, Jesus refuses to stop loving them. And we are called to do the exact same. Being loved by Jesus, we go forward with God's help to love one another. Amen.